1: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And hey, welcome to First Strike here on VEASAN. I'm your host, Dave Ross. Going to break down UFC 291 only have one title fight on the billet here, but it is the BMF title. So take that for what it's worth. And I have for Nick Cleek, as Jordan Sherwood and Reed Kuhn join us in this hour. Very quickly, let's put to bed what we saw last week at the O2 Arena over in England. Wow, what a performance for Tom Aspinall. Looked absolutely sensational in his return. Hadn't seen him in a full year after that devastating knee injury. And he ran through Marcin Tybura. So we don't know if we'll ever see Aspinall against, say, a John Jones. John Jones, of course, says maybe he'll retire if he beats Steven Miocic. But we'll find out what is next for the very talented young Englishman. But without further ado, let's get to our guy, Lou Finnecaro. You can follow him on Twitter as I do, at Gambleo, the host of the Bout Business podcast. Lou, very quickly before we look ahead to UFC 291, I was surprised that Aspinall ran through Tybura in such short fashion. What do you think is next? Because we see him and Johnny Jones kind of chirping at each other a little bit on Twitter this week.
2: I'm not sure what's next. I heard Aspinall project that he would be the champ by the end of the year. That I fully believe. I, I I believe the winner of Stipe and John Jones both lay four gloves in the cage when that fight's over. And those guys right off into the sunset, I believe John Jones with the belt. And then it's a free for all for everyone else to decide with Aspinall sitting in, you know, front center position.
0: Absolutely fascinating. Feels like with the Man Nunez retiring at 135, 145, kind of opening up the floodgates for other women. Maybe that could be the same for Stepe and John, to your point, if they do step aside. Okay, it's it's a title. It's the DMF title. I can't say what it stands for, but I think we can all understand what it stands for. And for that reason, we're going to get potentially five rounds of action here in the rematch between the highlight, Justin Gaethje and the diamond Dustin Poirier. Uh, numbers haven't really moved a whole lot here. Gaethje still about a dollar thirty. Poirier minus $1. fifty. here. Of course he won the first fight. It was a scintillating fight. What do you make now of this rematch here in the lightweight division?
2: Well, Dave, I, I, I have a, several questions. Uh, This is about where they closed in their first fight. I believe that we have to respect the makers and and their position on this fight. What surprised me greatly was the total at two and a half. That seems aggressive to me for a five round fight when this one went four last time and then further Uh, though not all the handicaps are out on the fine menus that they have at DraftKings. But if you look, the points handicap is out on that fight. And you see Poirier minus five and a half points, even money, actually minus 105. Uh, Those numbers tell me that they're looking for a fence painting here and that Gaethje going to be in there looking like a tree. And for that reason, I'm going to respect my makers. I think Poirier is... The more well-rounded athlete. I think he has more ways to win. And while Gaethje showed tremendous restraint, precision, and growth in his fight against Fazeev, I don't think he's going to be able to keep that up against Poirier. So me reading the lines, says Poirier, inside the distance, plus 130 is the greatest value that I can derive from this fight. And I'm willing to make it uh, about business, best bet, as we speak,
0: you know, that's fascinating when you're you're looking and reading the tea leaves of the numbers and you mentioned inside the distance and you mentioned the first fight that did go into four rounds uh, before finally the uh, the diamond got that stoppage. When you see it now at two and a half and only juice slightly minus twenty five, do you think it will be a similar track pattern between these two? We saw Gaethje trying to utilize a lot of leg kicks in the first fight to wear out. Uh, the Diamond, and that worked for a degree until the Diamond uh, took over with his hands of weight. Do you think this fight does go deep into the the, uh, Salt Lake City night?
2: I really want to like Gaethje in this fight. I love the kid. He's from Arizona. There's every reason for me to like him, but I don't bet with my heart. Everything I read about these lines says Koye is going to go out there and piece Gaethje up.
0: So let's see, again, uh, that under right now is still plus money. If you like the over, minus $1. twenty-five. And I'm put, picking up what you're putting down with the diamond right there in the main event for the BMF title for what's that's worth. And Jorge Masvidal allegedly will be giving out that belt after the fight, Lou. Get ready for those shenanigans. Uh, in the co-main, <laughs> in the co-main event here, Lou, it's not for a title. But Alex Pereira is moving up now in weight after losing to Israel Adesanya. And now he's going to take on the guy, that Israel Adesanya lost to in this weight class, and that would be Jan Blachowicz. And you see Blachowicz here, a small favorite, minus $1.25 against Poetson here at plus $1.05, going up in weight, three rounds. What do you expect Alex Pereira to look like at this weight?
2: Like about two and a half times the monster that he was when he was at middleweight. I, I don't expect him to be uh, susceptible to shots to the chin. And, and that's what the weight cut, in my opinion, did to him. Izzy knew it. He just had to figure out a way to coax him in and hit him on the point. He had done it in the first fight. So in this one, I, I see a guy in Pereira that I regard as an absolute monster. And training with Teixeira as long as he has, uh, he has to have some grappling chops because I think that's how Jan has to approach him. Jan... Blachowicz, the much more well-rounded fighter, more experienced mixed martial artists. As I assess each component, Jan's got to smother Hotan, take his distance, press him to the cage, get him to the floor, make this thing really, really ugly, and Pereira can't let that happen. Jan's been finished before. We have really the makings of a dynamically awesome fight here with great styles, No one can predict Barrera, but I do predict that his power, his ferocity will translate. That said, I lean to the more well-rounded mixed martial artist, I think.
0: And that would be Jan Blachowicz. And again, I was speaking to some people that we know well in this space, kind of off the record, and we're like, hey, if Jan wrestles like he did Izzy, that would be, as you mentioned, it feels like the clearest pathway to victory, which also could lead you to an overplay at two and a half rounds, right? Plus money right now, plus a dollar fifty. Is there a core way to play that? If you like Bahara, maybe gets it done earlier. K or T K or D Q, plus dollar sixty five. But if you like Jan, maybe look to that over. Is
2: that something you're interested in? That that's how I read it. And for that matter, if you don't like the price on Jan, the price on the over is I can't. I'm looking right now. I can't over plus $1.50. dollar fifty buck fifty, so it's a little better than if you took it right? Yeah. So maybe that's maybe that's your approach because I do believe that Jan has to take the big monster deep, tire him out a little bit, get him all swole up in this new weight class, take him down, get on top.
0: I think it's an excellent uh, handicap and certainly something I'm looking at here early in the week on a Tuesday at that plus value. I want to get to a fight that I- I've been looking at it for about two weeks now, and I look at uh, Michelle Pajeda against the Wonderboy Steven Thompson. In this fight, and it just feels like it's gonna be chaos. I like I can't see a fight, Lou, where they just stand in front of each other in the traditional and, and they're striking and kickboxing. I mean, we don't know what to expect from either guy sometimes. What do you expect from these guys in this in this uh very intriguing potential three-round matchup?
2: Well, well I'm really glad you asked because I've been chasing Thompson for a couple of for a week or two on various parlay positions on the podcast at two fifteen, at one seventy. Terrible prices compared to the 150 he is now and didn't make them. But I'm not swayed one bit. Uh, Yeah, Thompson's 40, but Pereira is made for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He's the wild bull of the Pampas coming in with every limb (laughs) coming and winging and wailing. And I think it's Stephen Wonderboy Thompson that has the feet. The footwork, the experience, the deft mentality to piece him up and win a decision. The over-under in the fight shaded pretty heavy to over two and a half. I like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson here, especially when he opened at 215. Now you can catch him at 150, but don't be in a hurry. Let's see if it drops a little further. Make, make no mistake about it. I'm not taking anything away from Pereira. But the guys that give Thompson trouble are wrestlers. That ain't Pereira.
0: No, this fight, we would think, will be standing, if you want to call it standing, in air quotes. Could be a lot of uh, spinning kicks and a lot of, uh, well, let's just say it could be wildness in that octagon between those two guys. I do want to get to Tony Ferguson. It feels like the swan song possibly for El Kukui here against uh, Bobby Green. And we know Bobby wants to strike. And I, I guess that could be looked at as good news if you're Tony Ferguson. But boy, plus 310
2: on Tony Ferguson, has he fallen that far, Lou? Um, you know, I was hoping you wouldn't ask about this one. <laughs> I'm glad you asked about the last one. This one uh, is, I, I, there are things going on in Ferguson's life. Mm-hmm. A lot of things. I think this is the UFC big brothering and making sure that he gets set up in some way, shape, or form. Excuse me for saying it. I'm a handicapper and this is my business. You asked me, I think Kakui's getting a spoon and unfortunately he's going to take one or two on the chin to receive it.
0: I'm picking up what you're putting down. Again, sometimes you have to look at why are fights made and this could be one of those reasons. Okay, about 90 seconds to go. I look at big mouth Kevin Holland back in there against Michael Chiesa. It feels like the kryptonite for Kevin is wrestling. I feel like that's what Kiesa would want to do, plus an hour twenty-five. Do we have
2: a live dog scenario here? You know, I, I want to think so, except here are, the, here are the facts as I see them, is that Kiesa was a 155-er now fighting at 70. Holland was an 85-er now fighting at 70. Mm. That equation doesn't fit well for a guy that needs to take the bigger man down. Uh, Kevin Holland, I like. The best way to convert him to positive money is inside the distance.
0: Love it. Lou, 30 seconds. Tell the people what they get when they check out the Bout Business podcast every Friday.
2: They're getting creative ways to make profit on UFC fights, and it lasts nothing more than 15 minutes. Dave and everybody over there at Deason, thanks for having me.
0: Always look forward to our weekly conversations, my friend. There he is, everybody. Give him a follow on Twitter, at GAMBLUE. When we come back, we'll go behind the numbers, catch up with Nick Kalikis. Oh, yeah. Twitter is now X, by the way. I don't even know what the hell that means. Going to catch up with Nick next here on First Strike. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to bet the UFC. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You're going to be able to bet on more than just the main event. DraftKings has great odds on fight lines, total rounds, and features for all MMA events. Eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for all the terms and conditions. Dave Ross back here. Circus Sportsbook in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Always a pleasure to be joined by Nick Kalikas here. You can follow him on Twitter as I do at fight odds or whatever it's called these days, Nick. I don't know, was it X now, Twitter X? I have no idea what Elon's doing, but it's always good to catch up with you, my friend. Uh, very quickly, when you look at the BMF title, which will be on the line uh, this Saturday night in Salt Lake City, and you see the numbers come out, they really haven't changed a whole lot. It doesn't feel like, Nick. It feels like Poirier's been a solid $1. fifty favorite to come back on Gaethje plus $1.30. If we haven't seen a lot of movement now, do you expect to see a lot before we get to Saturday? Well, it's definitely
5: trending in Poirier's direction. It did open a little bit lower market-wide, and we've seen some sh- sharp action hit the market. That's why you're seeing it actually go towards Poirier's way. But, yes, you're right. I don't think it's going to get out of hand, and I think there is going to be some two-way sharp action because we'll see some buyback. People are just kind of waiting for the price to peak, and we're already starting to see some of that buyback come in. But I think it will still bounce back and forth a little bit from here, but ultimately it will close, probably close to where it's at now.
0: You know, it's fascinating, too, because you look at the guys, right? They do look like they're looking in a mirror to a degree. There obviously obviously, uh, height goes to Gaethje. The reach, though, goes to Poirier. They're both 34. A great first fight that we saw, which, you know, Poirier got it done in round four. Uh, people have asked me this week, Nick, what will be different this time around? Does Gaethje have to take a different approach or just do a little bit more of what he did the first time, a little bit better in what was a close fight until it got stopped?
5: Yeah, he was doing well. I thought he was winning that fight. A lot of people did as well, mm-hmm. you know, in the first— meeting or whatnot. So he did get finished late in that fight. So I think his conditioning has improved. Both these guys are honestly on another level. Now that said, they've also taken beatings because they're always involved in wars. So I think the durability factor might come into play for both guys at this point, even though they still get in there and they swing and they can take it. They had some of the most insane fights. I mean, highlight reels on both sides of them. So these guys are two of the best we're going to see, and they always put on a show. So that being said, I think the durability does worry me a little bit because they've been in those wars. But overall, I think Gaethje's conditioning's has improved to the point where I think it should be much better in this spot. He could kind of be a little bit more patient and pick his spots, and I think he will do better if he game plans appropriately.
0: Now, you see that total at 2.5 here and slightly juiced to the over at minus $1.25. I'm glad you brought up conditioning. This will be in Salt Lake City, so we know altitude could be an issue here for both guys. But we've seen Gaethje in fights that we went, well, there's no way it's going to hit the cards, and then they hit the cards, like the Fazeev fight, the Michael Chandler fight, et cetera. Is this one of those now where maybe, again, we're expecting fireworks and the under. Right now, you can get plus money. Are we going to be a little bit, if you're on the underside, disappointed that all of a sudden, as you mentioned, these guys just figure out a way to like the Energizer Bunny that just keep going longer than people think?
5: I don't know. It's tough. I mean, we are seeing a lot of sharp action hit the over. So it is trending towards the over. It opened on the under two and a half, and now we're seeing it over. So that seems to be the direction everybody's kind of pointing at. But I, it's, it's very difficult, I think, because I I could see this fight ending in round one. That's the thing. These guys have knockout power they have that intensity they bring. So just because we, you know, we mentioned the durability and these guys are always in wars. Doesn't mean that we can't see a quick knockout. I could see it either way. So for me, I laying the chalk right now where it's at an over is kind of a dangerous game. I think I'm more tempted to go under, to be honest with you, because again, we've seen that first fight play out. A lot of people expect the same thing, not, all fights are the same, so I think we're going to see some differences, and I think we might see an earlier finish than expected.
0: Plus, at our thirty right now, if you do like the under two and a half rounds, I think everybody's excited uh, to see what uh, Poetan looks like as he moves up in weight now to take on Jan Bohovic, a guy obviously Bohovic, when Izzy was trying to be a double champ, didn't work out so well for Israel Adesanya. We just saw Alex Pereira lose to Israel Adesanya before moving up in weight, and I guess the theory could be the weight cut there took a little bit out of him, couldn't take those punches uh, that time around against, against Izzy in that last fight. What do you make of him now going up against a guy that I think people have forgotten how big a puncher Jan Blachowicz could be in his own right, even though he is now north of 40 years young? What do you make of this very intriguing light heavyweight matchup?
5: I'm glad you said that, because I think a lot of people aren't really respecting his striking at all. Right. They think it's going to be an easy fight. He does have power. And if any, you know, but at his game, even though, you know, he's got the footwork, all the technical school in the world, he can get clipped, keeps his hands a little low sometimes. I mean, we've seen it, you know, time and time again. It's not like Izzy was the first person to ever penetrate his defense and get through there. So Jan is dangerous, even on the feet. Of course, we don't expect him to win the stand-up battle. His path to victory is on the ground. And I think he's going to try to implement that. I mean, getting the takedowns, he was able to do it against Izzy. I think Izzy does have better takedown defense than Pejeda does as well. So that's something that he's been working on, though, Pejeda has. And he's trying to – he knows that Blahovich is going to take this fight to the ground. So working with Glover and crew, that should be improved. But is it going to be enough? I don't know. Everybody's speeding. There's a lot of sharp action coming in up ahead of because they just think that he is going to be eventually the future champion now at light heavyweight. I I think a lot of people believe in that. I don't know, man. He has to get past this test for me. So all the money kind of heading in that way. Early on, I don't think it's right. I think you need to at this point, you need to look Blahovich's way because again, he has more past victory. Like you mentioned, he could possibly get the knockout, which not a lot of people are expecting, but he also could get the win on the ground, either either by grinding out or possibly getting a submission or to grind a ground and pound finish.
0: Yeah, I'm confused by this fight when I look at the pathways, because obviously we know what Pahares is. It would be hands. We understand that. Blahovich does have more outs. When I look at the total rounds prop at two and a half, and you can get some uh, plus money right now if you think it might hit the cards or at least get over two and a half rounds at plus dollar fifty, You know, Bohovic actually was winning the hands battle, too, with Izzy, which I think a lot of people forget, and they just go, oh, he wrestled him. No, no, no. He stood and struck with, with Adesanya and was getting the, the better part of it, in my estimation here. does that? How does that play out? If we know he does want to wrestle but can also use his hands, I'm sure Alex would like a shorter night, and I'm sure Blahovic would like an over uh, play here at two and a half rounds.
5: Well, I think Blahovic can win under as well. I think mm. you cannot bank on the over here because again, Bahati could go out there and just knock anybody out. We know that um, he's a patient striker, but all it takes is a couple cracks from him, and you're out. Blahovic has that kind of fighting knockout power, but if he, all it might take is one takedown in position on the ground, mm-hmm. and he can end it too. So for me, I would not look at the over at all. There is money coming in on the under. That's why you're seeing the price get worse. And I think it's right. Now it comes to a certain point where you got to stay away from it if you miss the boat, and it might be getting in that direction because it's heading towards minus 200 on the under. Mm. So, But I do think it's probably under a pass in this situation. Yeah,
0: very good uh, words of wisdom there. If you've missed the best of the numbers, sometimes once it gets out of hand, you might want to just lay off of it altogether. You know, I, I look back at, say, a Yair Rodriguez against Alice Caceres fight back in the day. It was kind of just chaotic. I think that's what we might get from, uh, from Michelle Pajeda against uh, Wonderboy Thompson here. If Steven is more disciplined, do you like his chances here? Because right now, he is the betting uh, favorite at minus $1.50. But Pajeda plus $1. thirty feels like a wild man in there, and you just don't know what to expect.
5: Another fighter that has multiple ways to win this fight, Stephen Thompson has been in there with some of the best in the world, but he's, he's made good strikers look really bad. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem that you get if you're facing Stephen Thompson, because it doesn't matter. You're going to be an elite level striker and he still makes you look bad. So on the feet, Stephen Thompson has the advantage. The other side of it, I has that knockout power too, that he can land and possibly put people out. So he's, got, and he is a wild man, like you mentioned. So he's got that going for him. But I mean, we've seen a game plan implemented against Stephen Thompson as of late, and it's getting the takedowns, trying to wrestle, get top position, so he can implement that as well. So for me, I wouldn't. Lay, I love Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, one of my favorite fighters in the UFC, but this is a dangerous spot. He's getting older, he's hittable, Paqueta has that power, and he's got the wrestling advantage. So for me, it's a dog or pass situation, and I think a lot of sharps agree because we have seen the market drop on Paqueta's side.
0: Yeah, it really has dropped a lot. I want to talk about a fight that's been really inflated, and that's Marcus Rogera de Lima against the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. And we know a lot of people in this business and certainly uh, uh, handicappers and sharp bettors. This number is really ballooned and Dilema's favorite here, open about $1.25 now. We're looking at a $2 betting favorite against Derek. Is this, look, both guys 38, right? Both guys about the same weight. And Derek actually has the reach advantage here. Is this number out of whack if you're on the Dilema side of the stage? starting to be. But I mean,
5: the people that came in early and, and grabbed that number, I think it was an eyesore, meaning that I thought there was value, right? As soon as I saw the line myself, I was like, wow, Delima's priced a little short. But now mm-hmm. as it gets over minus 200, you got to be cautious. This is another one of those spots where if you miss the boat, you should probably stay away. Because betting, even at this stage, Derek Lewis, we know that you know he's kind of on the decline of his career, the latter part of his career. Uh, I think Delema's more fresh saying that a little bit because I know you just mentioned their ages, but I still think Lima has uh, like fresher fight years than the Derek Lewis is. Derek Lewis has made a little bit more money. Um, a lot of people think he's just a paycheck fighter these days, too. So the, everything's kind of put into the equation here. That's why you're seeing the steam on Lima. But I do think he's the fresher fighter of the two, if that makes sense. And he's getting Lewis at the right time. But, again, all it takes is one big shot from Lewis to take all your money. So, if you're laying two to one, you got to kind of approach this one with caution as well.
0: Very quickly, uh, to that end, I remember the Curtis Blades fight well, right? Where Curtis was dominating the first round with Lewis, got a little bit careless, uh, uh, tried to get a takedown. You know, the danger's coming in for dilema right? That you could get caught with an uppercut from hell from Derek Lewis, and then your, your lights have been turned out
5: absolutely i mean if this was not too long ago Derek lewis would be a, a decent favorite you know it would be flipped a little bit so it's all this recency bias that's coming in and everything you know delima has been performing better so you got to give him that respect and i do think he's a side don't get me wrong but yep. again a price is what it's all about and at this point you're playing with fire and Derek lewis could definitely like i said just lay in that punch as you mentioned and just take everybody's money so you got to be careful here
0: about 25 seconds tell the people about the gambler's perspective and what else you got going on this week We've got the Gambler's Perspective podcast coming in
5: on Wednesday. It's probably going to be posted by Wednesday night on UFC Fight Pass. So we have you covered. It's a great show. Check it out if you haven't already. And then also we have UFC on the line coming up this Thursday live at 5 p.m. Pacific time where Yanni the Greek and I will give you all of our best bets, Steam moves, everything. We'll talk about everything as far as the betting aspect goes. So make sure you check it out.
0: Appreciate it as always, Nick, going to Chicago next year on First Strike. Start your morning with Veasan Daily Morning Bets. Josh Applebaum gives you every piece of info you need to be ready for betting the day's biggest games in just 15 minutes. He discusses line movements, injuries, and what you need to be looking at before making those wagers. So download and subscribe today. Dave Ross here in Las Vegas. Used to call Chicago home for about eight years. That's where Jordan Sherwood calls home. You can follow him on Twitter as I do at Wood on ESPN 1000. And I believe currently stuck in traffic on the Kennedy. Is that correct, Jordan?
3: That, that, that is exactly where I am. Anywhere you go nowadays in Chicago, you are stuck in traffic. It doesn't matter what time of day, what's going on. Taylor Swift could be here. Oh, yeah. Swift could be playing. It doesn't matter. It, it's, you are stuck in traffic all the time. So happy to spend a couple minutes with you talking to Mama Mayday. It my attention away from all this uh, terrible
0: traffic. I think everybody's going to the bean. You got to go to the bean if you're in the the Windy City. Okay, let's get to this card and see some of the fights that you like on it. We got a we got a Pajeda and we got a Pajera on this fight card. So before you make those bets, make sure you're betting on the right one. Now I do look at the co-main event here, and you look at Jan Blachowicz against Alex Pajera and Pajera moving up in weight now from one eighty-five to two oh-five. What is your lean in this first ever light heavyweight bout for Poeton?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm looking at actually the under. I, I think we're going to get a finish. One of these guys, either you know, Alex Pereira is going to you know knock him out, or Jan Blachowicz is going to. I think kind of reciprocate the game plan that he did when he uh, met Israel Adesanya, headline heavyweight, and utilize some takedowns, try to you know orchestrate some wrestling. Of course, he's got the Polish hammer that could land at any point, which is why I'm favoring the under. And I think both of these both of these guys also recognize the fact that this could potentially be a uh, title fight or a title eliminator fight. So an impressive victory is going to be needed. And also, you know, quite frankly, Dave, I'm, I'm curious to see what Alex Pereira is going to look like following the knockout loss, jumping up pretty quickly to another high-profile fight against a guy that obviously hits a lot harder uh, then, uh, Israel Adesanya, that being, uh, Jan Blahovic.
0: You know, that's the fascinating part for me too, Jordan, is you go back and watch Alex in his last fight, the loss to Izzy, a fight he was dominating and look like he was going to walk down Israel Adesanya and knock him out again, or at least get the fight stopped. Like it was in the, in the fight before. And yet the quickness of Izzy turned it around. Does Jan doesn't, isn't known for the quickness but I think people are forgetting the power that he still has in either hand, really, but certainly that left hand is evidence in a lot of his fights. Could we see a fight like that where Bohovic says, you know what, I don't need to wrestle this guy. I can get him out of there in another way that maybe that another reason why you might lean to the under.
3: Yeah, I think so, because I think, look, if you look at the, the, the path to the middleweight title that Alex Pereira took, you know, he didn't take on any heavy punchers. You know, he didn't take up any elusive strikers outside of Adesanya. Uh, he was always the best guy there. But now he's going to be a guy that does the power carry over. I'm certainly believing it will for both guys. But Jan Blachowicz has been in there with some of the heaviest hitters at 205. And I think he's going to have the wrestling advantage. I, I think he's the one that's going to be able to dictate where the fight takes place. So, again, another reason why I like the under, because I've never been obviously confident in Alex Pereira's ability to keep the fight standing. He, he had done it. Yeah, successfully dropped getting to the middleweight title, but I just don't think he'll have to success at two hundred five.
0: All right, let's go to another name spelled the same but pronounced differently, and Michelle Pejeda, and he's going to take on the Wonder Boy Steven Thompson here. And Thompson still is the favorite here, but it's come way down. And Michelle, we know, can be absolutely a wild man inside that octagon. He can be a wild man at the weigh-in. We've seen how crazy he gets. He's plus a dollar thirty right now on the comeback as the underdog. What do you make of Wonder Boy? I know he's forty. But it feels like the miles might not be adding up. Do you think that uh, Father Time is finally going to catch up to Stephen and that uh, Michelle might be able to get yeah. this one done?
3: do i just think because again it's going to be a matchup of a kickboxing match you know neither guy's going to have to worry about the you know wrestling and grappling uh to an extent although you know steven wonderboy thompson has showcased some of the best we've ever seen his ability to keep the fight standing uh uh, you know he's actually looked to utilize wrestling at times so maybe there's a little factor of that but i think again the, the stylistic matchup the athleticism that both guys have Michelle is is, is is a great is a great striker, speed, power, and he's now been smart enough. I mean that Tristan Connolly fight that when he tired himself out dancing to the Octagon is well past you know that's way in the past, way in the rear of your mirror. So I'm not worried about that. And I think right now, even though we're going into a you know Utah. There's going to have to be some cardio discussion mm-hmm. with a lot of the fights that we're going to talk about in handicap. But I think he's learned his lesson. He's a guy that's going to be well-schooled, well-trained, and well-prepared for that at altitude and has a favorable matchup, a striking contest against Wonderboy. And I think age does factor in. And I think uh, today he could get, get a knockout or, or, or have enough significant strikes in the fight to get the win.
0: All right, plus 550 if you think that uh, Michelle can get it done inside the distance by K-R-T-K-O or, or, or D-Q. Okay, uh, you look at Kevin Holland, you look at Big Mouth here, and uh, maybe the weight was too much for Big Mouth, so he's going to come down, and he's going to take on a guy who we think of and I think of for wrestling, and uh, Michael Chiesa here, but it's a smaller version of Michael at 170. It's going to be a bigger version for Kevin Holland. 6'3", 6'1", here, height and reach advantage big time in the favor of Kevin Holland. How do you look at this one here, Kevin, right now, about a minus $1. 45 betting favorite.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I like the matchup for Kevin Hound despite, you know, obviously you worry about his takedown defense. He's not a great grappler. Uh, Michael Chiesa is outstanding on the ground if he's able to get it there. I just worry about if you're backing Chiesa, can he he handle the athleticism, the power uh, and the size that Kevin Howland is going to have? I think Kevin Howland was humbled real quick, taking that fight on short notice again. Hamza Shemaev, he looked really good the last time that we saw him in the Oscon. So I like Kevin Howland just straight up on the money line, not getting cute with a uh, a decision or, or a stoppage. I think just Keeping the fight standing, if it gets to the ground, able to get himself out of there, out of out of trouble. And Michael Chiesa just does not look great as of late. Litter loser of two straight. A little bit, maybe it's a little bit more concentration on the uh, UFC desk compared to what he should be doing, spending time in the gym. So I think Kevin Holland just straight up is, is a favorable matchup for him at a dollar seventy, as you indicated. Uh,
0: you are picking up something I was thinking about as well, which is you know we saw Kevin Holland a couple fights ago retire. In the octagon, I put that in air quotes, and that was a quickly overturned. He got back in there. Kiesa, he does have a second career, budding and pretty darn good as a broadcaster. Do you think this might be the last time we see Kiesa if it doesn't go well for him in the octagon, which could lead you again down the path to back Kevin Holland at minus $1.45?
3: Yeah, I think that that's definitely the case. I mean, Michael Chiesa hasn't been figured out the weight class that he wants to be at. He was on a little bit of a run, uh, you know, when he had graduated from the Ultimate fighter, kind of found his footing, but then, you know, just had a couple of uh, bumps in the road and now has lost his last two, albeit against some of the best fighters uh, in the UFC. I just think, again, this could be, you know, guys on his way out. Kevin Howland's trajectory is still up there. Dude jumps, and that's what caused issues with Michael Chiesa before.
0: Yeah, you know, we've seen this before, Jordan, and we've actually talked about it in uh, the past shows and past cards. Fighters kind of on the way out. And I do look at potentially Tony Ferguson, El Kikuli back in there against Bobby Green. Bobby Green doesn't care about the sentimentality of the fight. Do you think this is the last time, and maybe it's priced that way for that reason, that Ferguson right now is plus 310, Bobby Green over a $4 betting favorite? I'm not in the business of laying $4. But can you make even a case for Tony Ferguson here?
3: The only case that you can make is because of the fact that it's finally against a guy that's not a title challenger and not in the top heat of the lightweight division. But it's a long time ago that Tony Ferguson won 12 fights in a row mm. and was, you know, becoming an, uh, you know uh, an interim lightweight champion and challenging uh, potentially Habib or Michael Medoff for a fight. So uh, for me, it's it's a situation where Tony Ferguson probably on its way out. It's way too much juice to lay on a guy in Bobby Green. However, because of what we've seen from Tony Ferguson the last couple of fights, I think you got to consider Bobby Green uh, inside the distance as a potential play.
0: Yeah, if you like Bobby Green to get it done, K or TK or DQ is plus $1. sixty-five. That's interesting. Win by decision is plus $1. twenty. So there are other ways, if you're on the Bobby Green side, to maybe look at some plus value depending on how you think he would get this manner of victory. All right, let's get to the main event. It should be a really good one. It is a rematch, and it's for the BMF title. We can make our jokes about that if we'd like. But when you look at the diamond uh, against the highlight here, I mean, it does kind of feel like they look in a mirror to a degree. This number hasn't moved a whole lot here. Poirier minus $1.50 uh, against Gaethje here plus $1. thirty. What do you make of the BMF title being on the, on the line here, and who do you favor?
3: Well, I mean, first of all, I, I hate the BMS title. whatever. <laughs> I'm not into this, these manufactured belts or whatever. Mazdal is going to be uh, there to give it up. Uh-huh. Better than The Rock. You know, I love The Rock. Yeah, these guys are mirror images of each other, you know, by age and height and like significant strikes and like the way that they've lost like the last two submissions. It's crazy. Um, I, look, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, this is going to be a fight that's primarily contested on the feet, and I think Dustin Poirier severely still gets underrated by his, his boxing uh, ability and his ability to, to you know, withstand punishment keep coming after you like the terminator so i think it's, it's a similar result you know uh jg's going to score early he's going to look impressive early with some significant strikes likely those leg strikes but at the end of the day i like to dive and get his hand raised one more time
0: jordan get off the kennedy get home and be safe my friend we yeah. appreciate you <laughs> taking the time to join us on first strike come on back going to go to washington dc next here on first strike We continue this episode of First Strike. Dave Ross here at Circus Sportsbook in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, going back out to the nation's capital. He is the one and only Reed Coon. You can follow him on Twitter, as I do, at Fightnomics. See him on ESPN+. Plus. All these great numbers that you see right here on our broadcast because he is the author of the book, Fight nomics Reed, great to have you back in the program my friend I want to get to this card because you know we, we every week we talk about how deep some of these cards are I know you've been looking forward to this one certainly from a numeric standpoint here for UFC 291 the very first fight on the card You got Priscilla Quechuera against Miranda Maverick and Miranda a big betting favorite here at over $3 do the numbers that you see support her being that big of a favorite.
6: Yeah, actually, they do. And you know that I do look for big age differentials, Mm -hmm. and this is one of several on this fight card that's going to have a nearly decade difference in age. And so I'm going with the younger fighter here with Miranda Maverick, um, there's no real ground game from Cachueira uh, to speak of, at least nothing that she's done in the UFC, not a lot of takedowns. Um, she hasn't really attempted any nor spent much time in ground control, whereas Maverick at least does have some. And Maverick also has better defense and a much higher pace on the feet. So look for her to be setting the tempo and scoring more often, whereas Cachoeira is more on defense, trying to look for a big shot. Now she does have a couple big shots. She has scored two knockdowns, uh, but she's now fighting this younger, uh, less damaged fighter in Miranda Maverick. And that's why I got to go with the young gun here.
0: Now, again, sometimes I know that you'll kind of piecemeal these in parlays because you don't want to necessarily lay these big price tags here. When you look to something in this same fight I'm seeing right now, the total at two and a half, it is slightly juiced to the over minus hour 20 and maybe look for her via decision. Or would you just put Miranda Ma- Maverick in a $3 uh, as a $3 favorite in another parlay and not worry about the method of victory?
6: Maybe both. Yeah. Um, You know, at least if Miranda Maverick is winning, she doesn't have a ton of submissions and she doesn't have any knockdowns. And so, you know, Cachoeira might be tough enough to survive. I just like Maverick scoring more points and winning on the cards. So maybe that's an overplay to get the price a little bit down from where it is. Uh, But otherwise, there are a couple other favorites that I'm leaning pretty hard towards. So that also tells me I can, I have a lot more options on a deep card like this Mm -hmm. to find the favorites I like and put them together in a package deal.
0: I love where your head's at there, because again, if you like like Marav- uh, Miranda Maverick via decision, you can get that plus $2 right now. Or if you wanna, you don't want to get uh, too caught up and you think she's going to be dominant, but you don't know the manner of victory, to Reed's point, you can look at other fights that you find advantages on. You mentioned the age. Let's look at uh, Rogerio DeLima against uh, Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, and he's a fan favorite. But again, you got a younger fighter against an older fighter here, and I'm sure the data points might be leaning you back towards that younger fighter.
6: So This is one. Wait till you see it. I will post it eventually, maybe on Saturday on fight night. But when I make that uber tail of the tape, it is basically a clean sweep all the way down in terms of the performance metrics. Rogerio de Lima is the more technical striker. He's had a lot of success with his hands. He's very accurate. He knocks people down. Um, now, Derek Lewis certainly has that power and he has eight knockdowns. The trouble is he doesn't v- win very often when he doesn't get that early finish. And so this is one where if Rogerio is smart, he, he probably has the skill set to at least survive and stand and set up a takedown. And then you've got his BJJ black belt and he does have submissions, even though we haven't seen him lately. Lima definitely has a ground game. It is pretty dominant, and Lewis is kind of a fish out of water when he's on his back. So I see this eventually getting finished on the ground, at least I'm hoping so, because no one really wants to take a chance in front of Lewis.
0: And by the way, we just showed your uber tail of the tape, and all the check marks are for Lima. To your point there. And even though they are the same age, ironically, it feels like Daleem is much younger uh, in ring rust, if you will, or not having as much. Certainly Derek Lewis has got the experience factor, even though they're both 38, but it feels like a young 38, maybe against uh, one that's maybe a little bit longer, at least in the fight game, when it comes to how much, uh, how much octagon time Derek Lewis has, and it might be to his detriment at this stage. When you look at Kevin Holland now against uh, Michael Chiesa, and again, here's Chiesa, a little bit uh, certainly older at this stage than Kevin Holland. We're we're going down in weight class now for Kevin, getting back down to 170 from 185. He is a small favorite here, in my star forty-five, five years younger. What are the numbers showing you here for a guy in Kiesa, who maybe still has always been a tweener when it comes to MMA?
6: Yeah, and he was actually a little too big to stay at lightweight, had to move up. And then you got Kevin Holland, who's just one of these rangy, freakishly rangy guys, 81-inch reach. It's crazy. And the numbers prove out Kevin Holland is going to have a huge advantage as long as this stays standing. He's going to be much more accurate in his striking, and he's got that massive reach advantage. The problem is that his Achilles heel has been good wrestlers, and Michael Chiesa is a good wrestler. He loves to backpack people if he can get it there. Now, he doesn't have the the highest takedown success rate, but once he's on the ground, he has that advantage. And that's what worries me. Holland does have submissions uh, as a defensive Route, But I do worry about him getting backpacked. So I do like Holland here as the favorite. I especially like it if he can stuff a couple takedowns and work his hands. I think he runs away with this. Uh, but that is that's why I'm gonna have to keep an eye on the price here. Uh, so leaning Holland early, but gonna see where this lands.
0: we We talked a lot about uh, certainly uh, age and some of these numbers that you're seeing. We all know Tony Ferguson and El Kukui and how much of a fan favor he really is. but Bobby Green's also a fan favorite, too. And he doesn't, again, he really does not care that maybe this is the last time we see Tony Ferguson at 39. Bobby's still here at 36. He's over a $4 betting favorite. I never thought I'd see the day we talk about Kukuli being a, a, a plus 310 dog to anybody, let alone Bobby Green. Do the numbers, though, bear it out that Bobby should be a $4 betting
6: favorite? Yeah, there's been a lot of inflation on this one. So this is another one where I'm going to have to revisit it based on the new price because prices are part of this process. And so early on, I definitely was leaning Bobby Green here. He was one of those guys that I might put in a package parlay. Um, And he does have the better stand-up striking. He's more accurate. He has better defense. He's not quite as damaged in terms of the chin. He hasn't taken as many knockdowns defensively. Um, And Ferguson, I think it's just a recent performance. I I think people are just down on him. He has not looked good. It seemed like he was waiting and waiting for that title shot that never came. And, and once we did get him back in the ring, he just did not look like the same fighter. And so I think that's what's going on here. Bobby Green has been a hit or miss guy. I've I've backed him a few times. I've been against him a few times. Uh, he really is an upper-down fighter, but I think he does have the skill set here. He has the better offensive wrestling than Tony Ferguson. And so that could actually help, uh, but also it's that stand-up. It's that... He does have crisp stand-up, even though it kind of annoys me. He's always no-selling every time his opponent punches. Um, but I think that's way—that's the way he edges out rounds.
0: Yeah, it seems like it. So we can certainly make the case as to why Bobby Green is such a big favorite as your numbers dictate. Let's talk about Wonderboy here against Michel Pejeda. And you look at Wonderboy as a small favorite here. It's come down. He was a bigger favorite, uh, and this line has come down as we get closer and closer to fight night here. What do you make of Wonderboy here at 40 still being a favorite Against a guy 11 years his junior.
6: Yeah. Unlike Ferguson, Thompson is one of those guys where you're expecting him almost to fall off that cliff and, and age out. He's got a lot going on outside the cage, and he doesn't. He just keeps showing up and still being that really elusive stand up striker, just gifted at what he does. And when he's able to keep fights on the feet, he's always in it. You know, he was even in it, you know, for many rounds against Tyron Woodley back in the day for a mm-hmm. title shot. Uh, and and had a draw on one of those fights before getting dropped. Um, but in this matchup, Perea is one of those things one of those guys where I'm not sure I'm going to believe it yet. Uh, Ten-year-age differential. Again, one of those on this matchup. Perea being much younger here. And he does have good stand-up striking. It's, it's a little wily. He's one of these guys that likes to throw crazy kicks, uh, which is a little distracting. And I'm not sure if that's going to work against someone like Thompson who fights at such long range with that wide stance and really keeping his distance. Um, but, again, you mentioned the price drop. Uh, when the price was higher— this looked like a value play for me on the underdog taking Perea at, you know, pretty clear plus money. It has since dropped. I'm going to have to rerun this on Friday and see where we land based on the new prices, because I'm not sure if it's going to, this could turn into a pass for me where, wow, like much younger gifted striker Perea, but he's facing just one of these old dogs that, that won't quit.
0: Uh, another talented striker, of course, is Alex Bahara. He's moving up to take on Jan Bohovic here. So his foray at 205, and right now about plus a dollar five here. Are we are we overlooking Bohovic and his punching power? What are the numbers showing you here in this one?
6: Yeah, I, I'm actually back in Blahovic here, and I'm a little surprised that people don't remember the history of what happened when Israel Adesanya moved up to face him. He just got planted on his back. You know, you can be a great striker, but when you move up 20 pounds, and this is, you know, the big leap up in the weight classes, a lot of weight classes are, you know, 10, 15 pounds off. Here, it's a it's a big leap up to go to light heavyweight, and Blahovich makes A lot of use of that size. I mean, he is a heavy fighter. He is going to lie on you and weight you down and exhaust you, which is what he did with Adesanya. Now, his striking is already pretty good, at least statistically. And Perea, while offensively really good, looks defensively poor. He eats shots. And we saw it against Adesanya. He got rocked in the first fight, ended up winning. He got knocked out in the second fight. He's going to be hit a lot harder than he has been hit before when he gets hit by Blachowicz. So that is a red flag for me, combined with a massive weight advantage, size advantage. If Bohovic is going to drag him down and just implement that game plan the way he did with Adesanya. So I see two paths to victory here. So I definitely like Bohovich.
0: We appreciate the insight as always. Great work, my friend. Enjoy the fight card, everybody. We'll see you next week right here. First Strike on v the Sports Betting Network.